Well, you guys, it's a good day to be here at Crossroads. And listen, you're here in Goshen, Indiana. You're here today. You are a winter warrior. Give yourself a round of applause. You guys are amazing. Uh, sadly, this is reality for us now. Like our people in Mishawaka that are joining us today, they understand exactly what we're going through. But listen, this is reality. Today, right now, we have our St. Pete campus joining us, and it's probably like 73 degrees and sunny there. They have no idea. Thanks a lot, St. Pete, for just taking all the sun and leaving us with all the snow. That's fantastic. Uh, but here we are, winter warriors, and we are doing it. And you guys, it is a great day here at Crossroads. I want to start out by making a big announcement and uh, welcoming Pastor and your kids are going to love her if they don't already, all right? So let's just give it up for Beth one more time. Beth, thank you. Wanted to make sure that we put a face to that name because here's the thing. Beth has made an incredible journey over the last two years. Uh, <laughs> we made her an offer she couldn't refuse about one year and nine months ago. We said, Beth, why don't you quit your full-time job and join the staff of Crossroads for 20 hours a week as the children's ministry assistant. And she's like, of course, that makes perfect sense. Uh, God honored that leap of faith that she took as she felt like God was calling her to Crossroads. And I'm telling you guys, God has been faithful. And as her gift set has become more and more apparent, uh, we realized God's calling on her life as children's ministry. And so Ashley, she's not going anywhere. She's getting more responsibility as an executive role. Let's give it up for Ashley because she's killing it. She does great work. Uh, Beth now assumes the role of our children's pastor. And what I love about that story and that journey is that uh, that process with Beth began by being a volunteer at one of our boo bashes years ago. And the thing is, I believe that's the journey that God calls us on here at Crossroads. We have core values. We connect people with God. We celebrate the change. We contribute to the community. And I believe with all my heart that when we allow ourselves to use the gifts and abilities God has given us to serve, to serve the church, to serve our community, that's when God awakens us inside. That's when we experience community, serving together with others, and when we grow in our relationship with God. And so I just want to encourage you today, don't hold back. Take that leap of faith, involve yourself in ministry. Who knows what that journey looks like for you? Maybe you're the next kid's pastor. We have no idea. But God will spark something in your life when you let him and you use those gifts and abilities that he's given you. So I couldn't be happier for Beth and the journey she is making. And I'm excited about the stories that are yet to be told because God is still moving and God is still working. Speaking of which, you guys, two weeks from today, we are having our You Are Loved Sunday. And this is such an amazing day because it's the perfect opportunity to invite a friend to join you to Crossroads. It's going to be a showcase of who we are. We are celebrating changed lives. We already have a bunch of people signed up to be baptized. Let's get crazy about that. That is exciting. That's the celebration of a life that has changed by only what God can do. And it's going to be a perfect day to invite someone that you've been praying about to join you here at Crossroads and to dive into our community. So just be thinking about that. Sunday, February 14th, be the most romantic Sunday of all time, all right? Just brace yourself. It's going to be amazing. In fact, it'll be so romantic. Guys, you probably don't have to take your, your, your significant others uh, out to dinner afterwards because it's just so romantic. You took them to church, and it's fantastic. Don't... Don't take that advice. That's terrible advice. Okay. Uh, but it's going to be a great Sunday. So here's the thing. We're continue on with our Circle Maker series uh, today. And we are talking about this concept of thinking long. 
with our prayer life. And this series, I'm going to tell you right now, this has been an inspiring series for myself to just take a next step in my prayer life, to not hold anything back, and to really be thinking specifically and strategically about the way that I pray, what I am praying for, and what that looks like. And there's a concept that I want to share at the beginning. I want to start and end in the same place today, and that's with this concept. It's the reality that prayer is the inheritance we receive, and it is the legacy that we leave. Let's just stop and contemplate the significance of that for a second. Prayer is the inheritance that we receive, it is the legacy that we leave. Now, some of you here today might be first-generation followers of Jesus in your family. And, and if that is the case, I am cheering you on. You have made a choice to follow Jesus, and that choice changes the entire trajectory of not only your life, but of generations to come. I hope you know and I hope you realize how significant that decision is to follow Jesus. Here's the thing, though. I recognize in my life that I have an inheritance of prayer that I have received. And maybe this is true for you. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that my grandparents prayed for me before I was even born. That is an inheritance of prayer that I received. God radically changed the lives of my grandpa and grandma Fisher back in the 1940s. I want you to think about that for a second. The 1940s, God changed their lives. My grandpa was just a random guy. He was serving his country in the military. He's got an amazing story of being in a train station uh, overseas, and that train station was being bombed. My grandpa jumps underneath a train at the train station. I don't know if that was the smartest thing to do, but in hindsight, it was. This huge explosion rocked the train station, and it was such a massive explosion that he said he's under the train, and the train actually jumped on the tracks. I mean, that's how big of an explosion that he survived. That's my dad. The greatest generation, or my grandpa, greatest generation, amazing stories, like, wow, what an experience. Uh, that, that's a story that, that you will take with you forever. Well, the reality is, my grandfather came home from World War II not knowing Jesus, and it was, it was after the war that he encountered Jesus, and Jesus changed his life. My grandpa had completely other plans for his life, but God changed him, called him in the ministry, and it changed the trajectory of his life and the life of his family for generations to come. They began praying for their two boys, my uncle and my dad. They both became pastors, called a, had a call to ministry, and went on to become pastors for their entire lives. They prayed for me, for all of their grandkids. God got a hold of my life. Now I'm a pastor today. It's like the family business. I don't even know how to get out of it right now. I tried to run from it. I could not. I realized that I've been left this inheritance of prayer. People have been praying for me for years. And that's an inheritance that I receive. But I want to challenge you today to not, not look backwards so much as to look forwards, realizing that prayer is a legacy that we can leave behind. I can start today lifting up my children, my future grandchildren, the generations to come in prayer. And I believe with all my heart that God honors those prayers. I believe that prayer is, is something that when I speak a prayer, when I say that prayer to God, that prayer has a ripple through eternity that, that has eternal impact. That has impact long after I take my last breath on planet Earth. I would like you to think about and consider the ramifications of that reality, the power of a single prayer and the power that comes from thinking long, thinking generationally, thinking about the legacy that my prayer life could leave behind. 
I would just like you to consider that as we dive in today. We're, we're wrapping up this, this concept of, uh, that we see in Mark Batterson's book, The Circle Maker. The idea that we are to dream big. We are to circle the promises of God for our life. To use the gifts and abilities that he's given us to answer that call that he's placed on each of our lives to serve him and to bring him glory. We're called to pray hard. I thought Ryan did a fantastic job last week of bringing that concept home. Let's give Ryan Stroop a round of applause. We're giving rounds of applause all over today. He's, he's deserving it. He did a great job last week of, of making us realize that, man, it's all about persistence. It's not giving up. I have to ask. I have to seek. I have to knock on that door and pray hard, pray through the difficult situations of life. Well, today we come to this realization that we also have to think long. What legacy am I going to leave behind when it comes to my prayer life? What does that look like? And I love the example that we see in Daniel. Daniel is a hero of the Old Testament. Uh, There is a whole book devoted to his story and to his prophecies. And what you realize about the life of Daniel right out the gate is that he was blessed He was walking in the favor and the blessing of God. And he was a man of character. He was not going to be deterred from his faith. His relationship with God, it was the guiding factor of every decision that he made. Every situation that he faced, no matter what circumstance he found himself in, it was his faith that was foundational and the guide for every decision he made. So even though Israel was taken over by the Babylonians, even though he and all the people in his generation were taken into captivity into Babylon, He never changed his prayer life. He was focused on serving God and being devoted to him. It says that throughout his exile, as he was taken captive, that he was granted favor and blessing in the sight of the people. He was talented. He was good looking. He was the Tom Brady of exiles. You know what I'm saying? That was just for a a couple of you guys. Now, it's possible that I offended deeply a couple of people just now. But that's on you. Okay, so... Daniel was blessed. He was highly favored by God. And God did things in the life of Daniel. He revealed dreams. He gave him visions. And he gave him favor with the king. So much so that the king recognized that there was no one in the kingdom like Daniel. And he said, I'm going to make Daniel the second in command in my kingdom. But the problem was that everyone else in the kingdom was jealous of Daniel. They did not want him to be the one. And so they did everything they could to try to make it impossible for Daniel to be second in command. But the only thing that they could find fault with with Daniel, the only thing that they knew could possibly trip him up was his devotion to God. Daniel was known for his prayer life. He prayed three times a day with his door open toward Jerusalem, praying to God, seeking wisdom, seeking the direction that only God could give him. And they knew that that was going to be the only way that they could possibly trip Daniel up. And so what did they do? They devised a plan. They went to the king, and they said, king, you are a good king. Oh, man, and you are so amazing. You are incredible. And here's what we we think. We think that for the next 30 days, you should make a decree over all the land that only, only you can be prayed to for the next 30 days. You are so amazing. People should be worshiping you and prayed in your name for the next 30 days. And the king's like, yeah, that sounds fantastic. I mean, you thought we had problems, right? That's a problem. Uh, So the king says, yeah, let's sign that into law. That's fantastic. And Yeah, if if they don't do that, we'll throw them in the den of lions, because that seems rational. Okay, awesome. So that's the law of the land. Daniel is undeterred. Nothing has shaken him. 
he's still focused on his relationship with God. He realizes he's been walking in the blessing and the favor of God, and nothing is going to change that. So how did he respond when that decree was made? It says in Daniel 6.10, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Nothing changed his routine. He was still completely laser-focused on his relationship with God. And there's something to be said there about dreaming big, about recognizing the gifts and abilities that God has called, that he's given you, about the calling that he's placed on your life, the promises of God being faithful. When he says, if you follow me, if you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Daniel is claiming these promises of God for his life. He's saying, you know what? I've served God faithfully up until this point. He's blessed me. I'm not going to change anything now. So what happens? They trip him up. They bring him to the king. They say, Daniel has not been praying to you. He's been praying to his God. And so out of frustration, because it's law, the king says, all right, well, we've got to throw him in the den of lions, which is crazy, which is terrible, which is terrifying. Daniel didn't know how this story was going to end. And yet they throw him in the den of lions, and it says that God miraculously through the angels closed the mouths of the lions, and they did him no harm. He spent the night in a den of lions and did not receive a single scratch. You guys, that is a miracle. I don't know if you know this. How many cat, cat lovers do we have here? We have some cat lovers today. Oh, you guys are so cute. <laughs> did you know that cats are the only uh, animal that we, that we keep as pets uh, that if they were large enough, they would try to kill you? Did you know that? That's, that's your cat. So just food for thought. Okay. So Daniel, <laughs> I'm more of a dog person, not really a cat person. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, uh, that was ridiculous. So Daniel, he's in the den of lions. God miraculously protects and saves him. And what comes out of that? Well, God receives glory. Daniel's elevated to even higher status. God does amazing things in Daniel and through Daniel. Well, that. That's him dreaming big. That's him holding on to the promises of God in his life. Well, let's take this to the next level because in Daniel's life, I see three snapshots here that are great examples of what we're trying to illustrate here. When you talk about the, the idea of praying hard, recognize the fact that Daniel was always seeing visions. He was given dreams. And Daniel, at one point in Daniel chapter 10, has a vision of something terrible that is going to happen. And it disturbs him so much that it says he decided to pray and fast for 21 days. I mean, it disturbed him. What he saw was a vision of disaster, a vision of war, of battle, and it did not look good, and it's bothering him in his soul. And so he's praying to God. He's fasting, saying, God, give me answers. Show me what you're trying to tell me. Make this make sense to me. I, this is troubling my spirit. And so it says in Daniel chapter 10 that an angel appears to Daniel, right? It's like his guardian angel appears to him. Boom, Daniel, I have an answer for you, which is terrifying, right? That's, that's always the response when an angel appears. It's terror. And here's what, it ha what happens in Daniel chapter 10. It says, then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. This is his angel talking. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. Now let's stop and think about that. God is saying to him in no uncertain terms, from the first day you started praying this prayer, I heard it. I heard it. It's taken me 21 days to, to show you the answer and to respond to you, but I heard your prayer. 
I think that's significant. That tells me that sometimes we've got to just be willing to pray through those difficult moments in life. There are situations that God calls us to where we have to be patient, we have to wait, we have to trust. And those times are difficult. You guys, when I have to be persistent, when I have to pray with desperation, those are difficult moments of faith. But you guys, when God answers those prayers, when God shows up, it changes everything. I love how it ends in verse 13. It says, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. This is fascinating. The, then Michael, uh, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. This is an amazing, like, behind-the-curtain look at spiritual battles that take place behind the scenes. He said, now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. What an amazing encounter that Daniel's having with his guardian angel, right? As soon as you began praying this prayer, Daniel, God heard that prayer. It took me 21 days to respond, but I'm here now and I've got an answer for you. I, I want to stop there for a moment and just focus on this, this really important truth. When it comes to praying hard, don't stop praying. Don't give up. I can't help but ask myself the question, what would have happened if Daniel stopped praying on the 20th day, right? Just before God was going to answer the prayer, what if Daniel had given up? Would God still have revealed himself? Would God still have shown up in that great and mighty way? I, I want to encourage you to keep pressing on. Keep praying those bold prayers. The, the, the people that God places on your heart, the burdens that you have, the loved one that needs Jesus, the relationships that are broken, when you're dealing with your hurts, and your habits, and your hang-ups. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. God is faithful. He's hearing your prayer. He will answer you. But sometimes you have to be patient. Sometimes you have to trust. But he's faithful. He hears your prayers. Keep pressing on. I'm reminded in these moments of clips you'll see sometimes online, your YouTube videos or whatever, your, your epic fails where, you know, there's a bicyclist, he's racing and he's up to the finish line, and he sees the finish line and he puts his hands up in celebration. He's seen these videos, he's like, yes, I did it. And then the guy that was behind him just still pedaling furiously and just beats him at the last second, right? It's like, oh, what just happened? I don't want that to be us. Oh, I don't want that to be me when it comes to my prayer life. Don't get so close to the end and then give up and, and miss out on what God is trying to do. Ask, seek, knock, pray hard. Give it everything you've got because God is hearing your prayer. Trust him, be patient, wait for his timing. He's faithful and he can see farther down that road than you can. You've got to trust in him. Keep praying, keep lifting that up to him. Well, here's the, the third snapshot in the life of Daniel. Um, this is the concept of thinking long and I, I want you to just, let, let's box this in for a moment and start thinking a little bit differently about our prayer life. We can circle God's promises. We can put our trust in the fact that he is faithful. We can pray hard. That's all about persistence. That's on me. Just ask, seek, knock, keep at it. But I think there's another layer here of just thinking bigger. It's thinking long. It's, it's about praying those legacy prayers. When we consider the reality that prayer is an inheritance that I receive, but it's also a legacy that I leave. There's a challenge there to start thinking longer, to start thinking about life in the scope of eternity and start covering things in prayer that I may never live to see come to fruition. Consider this for a moment. 
In Daniel chapter 9, we see an encounter with Daniel where he says, it was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Now let's stop there for a second real quick because this is important. He's reading through the prophet Jeremiah. He's realizing God has spoken to Jeremiah. What does this mean? Jeremiah is an interesting cat. I want you to know this. Jeremiah, when he prophesied, it was always about the ruin and the destruction that was coming to Judah, all right? So no one, not a single person liked it. When Jeremiah spoke up and said, I have a word from the Lord, they were like, no, nothing else. We get it. We're all going to die, Jeremiah. He was kind of like the total Debbie Downer of prophets, all right? He was kind of a loner. He was called the weeping prophet because God would always show him, oh, there's some terrible things that are going to happen here. We need to turn to, to God and, and get back to him. So Daniel's reading this, this prophecy, and, and he's realizing that for 70 years, Jerusalem is going to lie desolate. God is not going to do anything for Jerusalem, for his people, for 70 years, for an entire generation. And it says Daniel's response to that in verse 3 is this. He says, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Can we just pause and, and consider the depth of that kind of prayer? There's a realization that, man... Things are going to be rough for us for 70 years. And Daniel's response is to immediately begin covering that moment that is 70 years away with prayer and with fasting. I think that's the epitome of what it looks like to think long. Boy, that's the perfect illustration of what it's like to leave a legacy of prayer. I gotta be honest. I put myself in those shoes. If I know that, man, nothing's gonna happen for 70 years, I probably just kind of take it easy for 69 years and 11 months and 29 days. And, and then I say, hey, God, I think you're gonna be up to something tomorrow. Let's, let's pray for the blessing here. You know, that, that's a little bit short-sighted. And it might be a little bit lazy. And yet Daniel's response is to immediately cover that with prayer and with fasting. You talk about receiving an inheritance of prayer, that generation that experienced God's blessing and favor 70 years later, they were receiving that inheritance of prayer from that moment Daniel prayed that prayer. That's a legacy that he was leaving behind. And you guys, that's a legacy that we can leave behind. When you think about your kids, your grandkids, the, the generations to come, beginning, in, beginning to cover them in prayer, asking for the blessing and favor of God to rest upon them, asking for them to walk in the, in the love of Jesus. I believe with all my heart that there is power in those prayers. And I think there's something to the idea of creating life goals for yourself. You want to go through life on purpose and have goals that you're shooting for, but I think there's power in, in being strategic about how we pray for those things, covering those goals that we have with prayer, recognizing that everything in, I do in my life can have spiritual and eternal ramifications. It can make a difference for eternity. Everything is spiritual. 
uh, think about the list of life goals that people make. We make family goals. We make influential goals. What kind of influence am I going to have on people? We make financial goals. We have experiential goals, things I want to experience with others. We have physical goals, like I want to be able to bench press 600 pounds when I'm 48. And then uh, we have goals of traveling. Like we want to see the world. Well, I would encourage you to think about your life in terms of the goals that you are setting and covering those in prayer. Asking yourself and God, God, how can I make these goals that I have for my life have eternal significance? How can I invite you to each area of, of, of my journey of life and leave a legacy of, of prayer and faith for all those who will follow me? We talk about family goals. It's how can I cover my kids in prayer? their future spouses, their grandkids, the generations that will follow. How can I pray for them now? What can I do to stack the deck so that they will walk with Jesus and walk in his blessing and favor? These are the kinds of goals, these are the kinds of prayers that have ripple effects through eternity. When you talk about the influence you have, who can I be connecting with Jesus who can I encourage with an act of kindness? Who can I share the love of Jesus with? Who can I be praying for? These kinds of prayers have ripple effects through eternity. Financial goals. You guys, we're so stuck right now on just getting enough money so that we can retire in, in what we perceive as being well, right? So if you were invested in GameStop over the last couple weeks, congratulations, you did it. Uh, but think about the terms of our financial goals. We don't we don't very often, you know, have a, a conversation with our financial advisor where we pray about our financial goals and say, oh, what can I do with these to have an impact on eternity? That really never enters the arena there, right? What if your financial goal was, I would like to have so much retirement that I can give away so much money that impacts the kingdom for eternity? It, it's putting your life goals in focus in, in a spiritual lens where the things that you do will have significance for eternity. It's covering those in prayer and asking for God's blessing and favor so that you can walk in the rhythm of his grace, experience what he's doing in you and through you, and as you become who he's calling you to be, living fully into what he's called you to do. When we leave that legacy of prayer, man, guys, it keeps God front and center of everything that we are doing, and it has a ripple effect through all of eternity. I'm so thrilled by what we're doing right now in launching this campus down in St. Pete. I'm going to give a shout out to St. Pete people today. I am thrilled with what we're doing down there because it's, it, I get it. People are like, oh, you're starting a campus in Florida. <laughs> you're going to move down to Florida now and preach from Florida? Maybe. Why not? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, no, we're, we're launching a campus so we can connect people with Jesus. Think about the ripple effect that that has in eternity. The people that are going to walk through the doors of our new campus over the course of the next year, the lives that that is going to change in this generation and for generations to come. And I want to be covering that in prayer. I want to invite you on this 21-day prayer challenge. Would you be covering our St. Pete campus launch in prayer? We're connecting people with Jesus. And I'm thrilled about the group that's already formed. You guys, we're on a mission to connect people with Jesus. And I'm ready to celebrate the lives that are going to be changed because of what we're doing together. It's an extraordinary journey that we're all on. And our prayer, our prayer life, it makes all the difference in the world. Dreaming big, circling God's promises for my life. Being who it is he's called me to be and, and looking forward with great anticipation to who he's 
he's drawing me to become. When I focus on my prayer life, I'm praying hard. I'm not giving up. I'm asking. I'm seeking. I'm knocking. I'm persisting in my prayer life. And when it comes to this idea of thinking long, I'm thinking with eternity in mind. What can I pray for that leaves a legacy of faith for the generations that will follow me? I want to challenge you today with that concept. Man, prayer, it is an inheritance that we receive. People have been praying for you. Now you have the opportunity to pray for those who will follow. It is the legacy that we leave behind. And I want to challenge you today to elevate your prayer life and to be thinking in those terms when you talk with Jesus. I want to ask you this question as we close. What legacy will you leave behind? When it comes to your prayer life, your relationship with Jesus, what is that going to look like in the generations that come? What ripple effect is your prayer life going to have through eternity? What are you doing to leave that legacy of prayer and that legacy of faith behind. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me as, as we come to a conclusion today? I would just ask in this moment that you would just draw close to Jesus because I believe in his promises for our life. I believe that when we draw close to him, he draws close to us. And I believe that no matter where you are right now, that if you're willing to draw close to Jesus and just have a moment of, of consecration, of just saying, God, I... I surrender and I, I give my future to you. I invite you to, to be in the middle of all of the goals that I'm setting for my life and to use the goals that I'm making and, and use them for eternity. May they have eternal significance. May my goals bring someone to Jesus. May my prayers and, and the things that I live into in this life cause people for generations to come to walk in your blessing and in your favor. These are the kind of legacy prayers that we can pray. These are the legacy prayers that, that we leave behind as an inheritance for the generations to come. I want to invite you today, as you're in this room, wherever you've gathered, we've, we've got post-its at the front of, of each of our worship areas today. And I would just invite you, as, as you leave today, if there's a legacy prayer that God's laying on your heart, Come forward and write that down. Put it on the wall here at our Goshen campus. We're having a prayer and worship night this Thursday. We're going to be lifting up these prayer requests to Jesus. There will be hundreds of people praying for your prayer request. And I would just encourage you to draw close to Jesus in this moment and ask, what legacy prayer is he placing on your heart? What goals that your life is centered around is he inviting you to surrender to him and, and asking to be a part of? Because we have an opportunity to leave an inheritance of prayer behind us, a legacy for the generations to come. Jesus, you are so good. We thank you today for your many blessings. We thank you for those who've gone before us, for the shoulders of the people who we stand on today who have been faithful to you in the past. And God, I ask that you would just give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to be faithful now. May we be people who pray legacy prayers, who pray prayers that have a ripple effect through eternity, May we set a foundation for generations to follow so that through what we are doing today, the way that we are interacting with you, the people who follow us will walk in your blessing and favor. God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you today for what you're going to do. We pray this in your holy and mighty name. Amen.